Good morning, Grace. <laughs> We're just getting started. Just gets better. We just finished a series called Reboot, and the idea was like we could individually restart our lives and even collectively as a church, right? We got to maybe for the first time or just kind of restart the thing, but we're going to start thinking and living biblically in a culture that isn't particularly, you know, warm to us. And we're not going to leave the culture and isolate ourselves, but rather we're going to live in the culture courageously. So let's just pretend we all rebooted. We're better. We're healthier. We're doing right things. We can hear the voice of God again. Now what do we do? What do we do with the rest of our lives? How do we apply reboot to the culture around us? Here's my proposal. We bring love and justice and mercy to every person we can find. Every person that we touch that's in the image of God, we bring that love and justice and mercy to them. At Grace, we sincerely believe that every believer is a minister. The Bible says that. So the question before us is actually, how is God leading you to use your gifts and your talents and your influence to bring the gospel into the lives of people around you. What are we, what are, what are individually, what are we supposed to do in this time? It's such a time as this. Well, you won't believe it, or maybe you will. I mean, the answer to the question is found in the Older Testament. It's from the book of Micah. And in the context of Israel's history, not too different from today. And Micah is a good prophet that comes and he gives us the answer, answer to that. And he, he tells us about God himself, Yahweh, holding a courtroom, high court, or he's putting Israel on trial and the rocks and the mountains and the stones are the jury. They're the witnesses to the way Israel has left the Lord and ignored him. How so? He says the Israel leaders, they, they, they'd become wealthy through, through theft and greed, like insider trading, that sort of thing. And he said, even the religious leaders, the prophet, he condemns them because they are selling promises and the protection of God for a price. And the political leaders and the religious leaders have worked together to like take over the land, like own the land through bribery. They are distributing justice based on your income level towards the wealthy. It sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And so it's in this context where, because think, some things never change, it, that's why we can go back 2,500 years and say, how do we answer this question? How should we then live? And so Micah come in, comes in, he's, the, he's an honorable prophet at the time, and he comes in and says, look, uh, he's cut to the quick. He, he's feeling the condemnation from the accusations from God against Israel. And he says, well, what are we to do? I mean... How do, we, how do we have an audience with you? How can we enjoy you again? Well, how do we reboot? What do we do? We'll do anything you ask us to do, anything. And so in Micah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, he proposes this. He says, with what shall I, with what shall I come before Yahweh and, and, and bow down and be exalted by, uh, bow down and be in the presence of the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? Or, or maybe uh, calves that are one year old. Well, how about I, Yahweh to, to come before Yahweh with a thousand rams or, or 10,000 rivers of oil? And then shall I even, if necessary, offer my firstborn? So you can see this escalation that's taking place and gets all the way to hyperbole where he says, look, a, a burnt offering people can do. 
most everyone can do that. But then he says, uh, you know, one-year-old calf, that's kind of for the wealthy. A thousand rams, maybe a, a king, but 10,000 rivers of oil, and then ultimately the firstborn child. He's just saying, look, I, you just name it, God, I'll do it. Now, we just, we just don't know what to do because we're convicted. What do we do? And then Micah's answer here is a beacon of direction for all of mankind, not just Israel, but for all of mankind. Any man or woman or child that's asking the question, how, how are we to live in the context of corruption and injustice and violence? How do we, how do we live our lives? We're not going to sit and be paralyzed by all of this. We can't just walk around feeling guilty as though that were to bring us into the presence of God or God would enjoy that. Instead, Micah offers one of the more magnificent series of sentences ever declared from human lips. Micah chapter six, verse eight. Here's what he says. God has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what Yahweh requires of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's the answer. Let's look closer at this. I mean, he starts off with, God has shown you, O mortal. <laughs> Again, it's not just to Israel, but to all mortal men. And he's saying, you know, man is subservient to God. God has shown you, O mortal. He has shown you. There's no mystery here. Don't say that you don't know. Don't, don't, don't act like this hasn't already been placed in your souls as what we would call natural law. This is an echo from Eden before. This is not lost in our fall. We know this. We know this intuitively. And he says, you need to do these three things. And you know this. This is what the Lord declares. Act justly. The word justly there in, in the context of the Older Testament is used and I guess applied would be better uh, two different ways. One is in the context of retribution justice. This means punishing wrongdoing. We would say justice is the punishment needs to fit the crime. In the Old Testament, they said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now that phrase, eye for eye, is often misunderstood. It, it sounds like it's mean, but it's actually just saying, look, look, it, it, the punishment should fit the crime. If you, if you intentionally stole $10 from someone, then the punishment should be paying the $10 back and maybe a fine, so you might learn your lesson, but paying that back, it gives dignity to the thief. I paid my debts. Injustice is sending that person to jail for two years. That's it. The idea here is, is that like there's this internal rage. I hope that we all feel when we read stories about someone committing a heinous, violent crime against a fellow human being and getting zero time in jail because, well, like the old 60s song, they're a senator's son. Meanwhile, you have someone <laughs> being sentenced to 10 years in jail because they are in possession of a small amount of an illegal substance that's, a, that's legal in four states. But often, because of color of skin or whatever the circumstance might be, that person gets 10 years and this one gets limited time. That, the rage inside of us, is the idea that we know Oh, mortals, what justice looks like. And that's not justice. There's another kind of justice in the Old Testament. It means restorative justice. And what that 
when that's applied, it means we're, we're, we're the advocates for the oppressed and the vulnerable. That's when, we, when someone steps in to protect those who can't protect themselves. We're to act as the big brother to the little brother that can't help himself. And so in the Bible, again and again, you'll see Yahweh, you know, citing this, these particular groups. He'll say the widows and the orphans and the aliens and the poor because they don't have power. But the question is like, why does God have to say this? Why do, why do, we, why do we have to have this restorative justice commanded to us? And, and how do we know this within us? And here's why. Because in the heart of every son of Adam and daughter of Eve is a bully. Each of us has a bully. And bullies do what bullies do best. We have a tendency of seeking out the weakest or someone that's not like us. And that's for some reason a threat to us. And as bullies, we pounce on that vulnerability. And justice is the big brother that bridles the bully within us. And sometimes that has to be someone outside. Sometimes that has to be the follower of Yahweh that says, I'm not gonna allow this to happen. We live in a country and a world, a state, a city, a neighborhood where injustice takes place, sometimes in large scales, sometimes in incidental ones. And Micah says, you do justice. You're an agent of truth and fairness in these. We can't sit back and just be overwhelmed by the panoramic view of injustice. He says, you need to step in and pray or vote or get involved in your school or your office or your neighborhood or your living room and be the big brother that takes care of the person that can't take care of themselves. He says, you are to be the voice of those who don't have a voice. And you are to be the strength for those that are weak. He says, that's what we're to do. We can absolutely have a conviction about that. How we do that is probably just a belief. And that's where sometimes we can get in disagreements. But the conviction is this, because it says so, it is written in our hearts. God has told us, O mortals, to do justice. Act justly. The second one is to love mercy. And mercy... Mercy is like a million dollar word. Now, there's actually, it's, there's no price to put on this word mercy. The word in Hebrew is hesed. Hesed is a glorious word, means kindness, mercy, loyalty. Loyalty is usually attached to this because it, it is this idea of, of a, a mercy that you can count on. It's a, it sounds, mercy sounds like a gentle word, a polite word. It's, it's the pet mouse in your child's room in a cage. And if this mouse were to roar, it would rattle the foundations of the nation's capital. That's how powerful this word is. Love mercy. It is a high calling and it is a costly commitment. Hesed means, hesed means uh, costly, selfless, loyal mercy expressed in actions. Mercy, hesed, is lending someone else your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. That's granting mercy. And mercy has power. 
It has power to absolutely alter and change an identity. When a person receives Hesed, when he receives the mercy that we have the ability to give, they're rearranged. They're changed people. They're like, we, we'll say here, grace transforms. Hesed or this mercy is very close, synonyms to grace. It means gift and that, that changes the soul, has the power of, of soul change. And that's why people uh, will use that Hebrew word hesed and they'll, they'll monogram it on their clothing. They'll, they'll wear it as jewelry. They will tattoo it on their bodies because they are recipients of hesed and they are changed. And the penultimate example of hesed is the cross. That's mercy. That's the mercy of God given to us. And because of that, people will embroider that onto their clothing, a cross. They will wear jewelry with a cross on it. I have one right here on my ring. Some people will tattoo it on their skins because the mercy of God literally changed the nature of their soul. That's the power of mercy. Love mercy. I'm going to tell you a story that I've told before. It's from John Ortberg, but it's worth repeating. It's the story of John Gilbert. He's from a little town of Paradise, California, and when he was five years old, he was diagnosed with the worst form of multiple sclerosis. This is a devastating disease that is going to ravage this young boy and be progressively cruel in his life. Each year, he would experience some great loss as it attacked every muscle in his body. One year, he lost the ability to run, and he couldn't play with his friends anymore. Soon after that, he lost his ability to even walk, and he would just watch his friends play from a wheelchair. He worked his way down to the place where in his mid-20s, all he could move was his right hand, and he used that to write his autobiography, just clicking on the mouse one letter at a time. In his story about his life, he talks about how difficult it was for him in junior high. (laughs) It's difficult for everyone in junior high. But especially John, because of his disabilities, he was constantly bullied and humiliated. And it got to the point where he begged his mom not to go to school because he was afraid. Because there was no one there to be his big brother. There was no one there to, to do justice or to love mercy in his case. Not all of his life was that way. I, there was a year where he became the ambassador for multiple sclerosis for the state of California. And that came with some celebrations. He and his mother were flown to the Capitol and brought her to the mayor's mansion. And the mayor <laughs> gave him, it was, holiday, it, was, it was trick or treat for him, unlimited candy, uh, thanks to the governor. And then that night they had uh, a fundraiser and the NFL was, National Football League was sponsoring that fundraiser. And John and his mother were at the head table and he got to meet some NFL Super Bowl winners, and, and they took their, their giant Super Bowl rings, and it would fit over John's hand and wrist, and he would wear it on his forearm. When it was time for the auction to get started, they were raising money. There was one particular item that caught John's eye, and it was a basketball that was signed by the Sacramento Kings. John liked basketball. And so when that item was up for auction, he shot up his hand, and no sooner did his hand go up than his hand went down. The rocket goes up, the rocket crashes. His mom grabbed his hand and said, we're not, we can't bid on this. 
But people in the audience saw that John wanted that ball. He loved that basketball. And so for, uh, the bidding just kept going. And it was not the most valuable issue that, or item that was going to be auctioned. But the amount of the bids, they were astounding. And then a man stands up and offers an amount that stunned the audience into silence. And then they began to applaud. And when that man walked up on the stage to get his basketball, he didn't return to his seat. He walked down the table and gave that basketball to that little boy with those tiny little hands. And those hands would never dribble that basketball down a court. And they would never throw past that basketball to a friend on a fast break or never have the strength to shoot that basketball into a goal. He just watched it in his hands. And the entire room was leveled. They were all undone, he writes in his biography. Every heart was melted. Women cried and men fought back tears. And <laughs> some of those big NFL players sobbed like young children. Have you bought a basketball for anyone lately? We have so much. You and I, we own so many things. Some of us even have a storage facility that we rent because we have so many things we can't keep them in a big house. We have to put them over here. Have you bought a basketball for anyone lately? Love mercy. It will cost you. It could be something simple, though. You could just read to a, a child. You could just go to one of the elementary schools in our area and just read to an elementary school and change his life. There's so many ways to love mercy. We have a, a web page dedicated to that. It's called Mobilize. You could go onto our website. I think it's under service or, and it's under mobilize. And there's these ministries around the city and around the world that we, we think are great investments of your energy and your wealth, whatever it might be, just ways to love mercy. The Lord requires us to act justly and to love mercy. And then finally, it says to walk humbly with our Lord, to walk humbly. That word humble, this is the first time it's used in the Old Testament. It is the only time it's used in the Older Testament. I'm not, it's hard to know if they even knew what the word meant. Because after this word is written, the, the Greeks and then the Romans, they used the word as an insult. Humility was a vice, not a virtue. <laughs> so how are we to live this way? It's for the weak. It's for the people that can't be proud about anything. And, and it is to walk humbly with our Lord. There's the key, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, We're in his, him, we are in his image and Yahweh is humble. Yahweh is all powerful. And what does he use his all power to do? But to stoop down to our level. Jesus, 
who was in the very form of God, humbled himself to become a man and suffered, humbled himself to the point of death. And what kind of death? The single most humiliating death that the Romans could imagine. Jesus, with all of his power, used his power to humble himself. We are to be that. He changed the very meaning of that word. To walk humbly means to pray the prayer sincerely before God. Uh, God, is there any, search my heart and know me. See if you can find any pride in me that is detestable to you. Is there anything, is there anything that you or I, is there anything that I won't do because it's unbecoming of me? It might be embarrassing to me. It is lower than who I am. Do you know who I am? I shouldn't be having to do that. That's not walking humbly with the humble Yahweh, see? I've, I've, I'll bet I've heard a dozen times at pastor's conferences, it goes, it goes something like this. It says, when a business leader comes to a pastor and says, I'd like to get involved in the church, quite often a pastor will provide them with a menial task. You know, a business leader, a CEO, a man or woman that has influence and attributes, and they'll make them a greeter <laughs> or have them work in the children's ministry. And, and instead of like running a relief project or some kind of citywide movement, why do pastors do such things? They're wasting, and I completely understand, you know, the underutilization of gifts and influence. I, I can, okay, just put that for, over there for a second. But what if, maybe, maybe, what a leader, CEO, power person needs most to become like Christ in all of life is to serve in any capacity. Even if it's to sit on the floor with toddlers on a Sunday morning to serve the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it like, a general, that, <laughs> a general that hasn't made his own coffee in years. And when he walks across a military campus, his stars pop everyone into attention and they demand respect and people salute him. Do you think he needs another opportunity to lead or do you think what would be better for his soul were to change diapers for an hour and a half, right? C.S. Lewis knew the, the, the cancerous, poisonous, effects of success on the human soul, and he was afraid of it for his own sake, and he wanted to walk humbly with his, with his God that's humble, and so he had at least two disciplines that I know of, and one was that he would go to Mass every single day, and the other was that he would respond every child's letter to him. Lewis felt like if, if it ever came to a point where he was too important to answer a child's letter, then he was already a sick soul. He knew that he needed to work on walking humbly before God. What does the Lord Yahweh God expect of us? We should know this, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. It is the pur purpose of the entire human existence. It is as image bearers of God, this is what we're to do. We're supposed to accept this, these attributes, and to give this to every man, woman, and child every tribe, every color, every race, every income level, we get to give this out. And if you could just, just imagine what it would like if just a single church, like 
was dedicated to this or the church, what would happen? I mean, what would happen in the world? How would, the, how would, how would nations be altered or even just a city be altered if a group of people said, I'm going to know what is intuitively left in my soul, O oh mortal, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. You don't have to imagine. <laughs> All you have to do is turn the page. Micah chapter 7 says, this is what happens. And then the nations will see and be ashamed, and they will come trembling out of their dens and turn in fear to Yahweh our God and will be afraid of Yahweh. Who is God like you? Who pardons sin and forgives transgressions? You will again have compassion on us and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. The world could be restored if, they, if, if the world just had a lighthouse. And my prayer is that we would be that lighthouse. Here's how I'd like to end. Would you join me by standing? And we're just going to read Micah 6, 8. And let it be a commitment to each and every one of us. Let's do this as a church. Please, by all means, stand. Let's give it this respect that it deserves. We'll read this together. Are you ready? You're at home? You can stand too. Here we go. Ready? Micah 6, 8. God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. The Yahweh you to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Amen. Lord, I'd ask that your spirit would allow us to open our eyes to see these opportunities before us, that we would pursue humility before you so that we might be courageous enough to be the person who brings justice to an unjust situation and circumstances, that we would have the courage and the insight to know how to love mercifully, no matter the cost to us, that we would humbly desire to serve you and your church in every possible way that we can. Lord, I'd ask that you would give us an attribute of responding to your spirits, drawing, drawing us to these actions of what it means to be a saint and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We enjoy that. We look forward to that. And we know that this is according to your will, so we pray with expectations that you would answer this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. It just gets better. So uh, I've asked uh, Mary to join us. It is Mary uh, Whitehurst. She is the director of uh, The Source here in Austin, and we've been friends with them for years now. And she's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on at The Source past and present and future. It's been, the past has been rough. <laughs> Let's go all the way back to 2020 and, um, and, the, and the COVID thing and all that. Anyway, okay. say hello to Mary first. Yep. Good morning. Is it, is it still morning? Oh, almost for two more minutes, it's still morning. Good morning, Grace. It's yeah. so good to be with you all. Thank you all so much. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you guys feel, but there are days when I can't 
actually even believe we made it to 2022 um, because of just how this journey has looked for all of us the last two years. As I'm sure many of you remember in March of 2020 is when COVID hit Austin. Um, and we were then forced to shelter in place. We had to close the clinic. And that was a little bit challenging. We had just rebranded as the source. We had just started to launch our clinical services and get ready for that. And we had to close. Um, but our team, uh, really with God's grace and guidance, was able to pivot really quickly. We started offering virtual services so that we could still continue to help the women that were in need that were coming to us. And then very quickly after that, just two weeks later, we were able to get back in the clinic. Because in the work that we do with women who are dealing with unplanned pregnancies in particular, the pregnancy test to confirm their pregnancy as well as the ultrasound to actually give them an opportunity to see their baby is so pivotal in that decision-making process. So we did our best to get back into the clinic as soon as we could. Um, and then we were able to move forward with launching clinical services. Now we are restored and back to regular operating hours, have a full clinical team that are not only offering preventative gynecological care, but also the same pregnancy resource support and options counseling that we've always had. Um, so we have survived. Um, and now now that we've gotten past kind of like this surge that we've seen in Omicron, um, things are, are starting to, to, to pick up again as well. And so that's 2020. Um, and then also uh, when we're talking about what has happened over the last couple of years, we had our second annual Bags and Brew fundraiser um, that Grace Covenant showed up in a big way um, at that particular fundraiser. And that's just an opportunity for us to get together with people who love this source, people who are wanting to learn more about us. And we had a cornhole tournament. Um, it's a whoop. fundraiser. Like yes. it was fun. It was a fun fundraiser, right? right? It was very Austin. I know. Um, and very uh, just fun and a, a, a great laid back way for people to get together. And I don't, who won? This I don't know. Year, Pastor Matt? I don't know who won, what was that? but I think they won last year too. They, they did. There it is. They did. Yeah. Um, so the Grace Covenant team. Maurice and Lawless team won again. We've, I think we've won every time we've ever played. I think you pretty much, pretty much, all time. pretty much reigning champions. Um, we'll be coming back to 2022. Let's not over celebrate, but we did win twice. So uh, like, anyway, anyway, for sure, there's probably more to this. Uh, what else? Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that has been really amazing, um, even in the short time that I've been with the source and uh, knowing the history that we have with Grace Covenant is that over the years we have provided uh, recovery Bible studies, uh, particularly for abortion recovery. And Grace has long partnered with us, not only offering the study to you all's congregation, but a couple of years ago, um, your women's ministry just took the lead and started offering that study here for women who are part of this church, but also extending it to some of our patients as well. Um, and so I reached out um, to Pastor Melissa and just asked her, like, can you just talk to some of the women who just went through Forgiven and Set Free mm -hmm. and see how that study has affected their lives. And they shared some amazing testimonies um, with us. This, this is... Just a, it's kind of an epidemic in some ways. One in three women have had an abortion, which means that there are churches all over Austin, all over the country that are filled with women who are sitting with the shame of that secret and not being able to heal from that. And so for you all to just say that this is important, that these women matter, and wanting to be able to, to meet them where they are and offer that healing and recovery is amazing. Um, so thank you all for your continued partnership and just commitment uh, to that area of ministry. Right. And I, we love the opportunity to allow women from all over the city and even train other people to yes. have that uh, Bible study mm -hmm. since some women hold on to that for literally decades. Yes, for sure. And it's so freeing. Mm -hmm. So, it is. And then um, in July, we had yes. a collection for you guys like we have never had before. Absolutely mind-blowing. Um, still can't believe how just absolutely outrageously generous you all were. And so for me, this is just an amazing opportunity to come back after we were here in July and to say thank you. $161,000. Yes. Thank you, Grace. 
um, we're just completely blown away by how generous you all have been. And last year was a record-breaking giving that you all had for us. So thank you all so much for that. You have no idea how many lives are being touched and how that is sustaining and helping us to grow the ministry. Um, So thank you for partnering with us in that way. I think also from a leadership standpoint, having resources like that moves you from being like, oh no, I'm afraid how we're going to make ends meet to being ambitious about what our future looks like. And that was a major swing because of the generosity of our church. So we're, we're grateful for that. How are are things in the present? What's happening? So one of the exciting things that has happened is in October of last year, we actually came alongside um, another clinic that we'd already partnered with. When we rebranded as The Source, we tried to come alongside and partner with other organizations that were like-minded. But after making it through COVID and realizing that there's just a lot of ups and downs and challenges, um, The Source in Houston, we said, their board and our board got together and said, we would be so much stronger together as one organization under one board, really united to be able to lay a a blueprint that will help us to scale across Texas. The vision for the source is that every woman in Texas will have access to life-affirming reproductive health and pregnancy care. Um, And that's what we're setting the foundation for with this merger. So we have one clinic here in Austin. We have two clinic locations in Houston that are doing amazing work. Um, And their team there has just been amazing to work with. We are integrating, we are getting best practices, which has been one of the amazing things about this, is coming alongside with other people who are like-minded and figuring out how do we do this in a way that nobody else has done it before um, so that we can come into a space and really help women where, they, where, where they're needing it the most. Right. Um, one of the things that I am particularly fond of with uh, the source is the, is the, the sexual purity education mm-hmm. that we bring into the public school systems yes. in junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. And, and Houston didn't have that. So mm-hmm. you, you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've exported that ability and teaching them how to get into the school districts to preventative care. Yes. Right? So. Yes, exactly. So we've been over, over 30 years, we've had the lifeguard program in schools around Austin. And so this is going to give us an opportunity to take that program into Houston as well. One of the largest school districts in America. Yes. So, wow. Yeah. So what's the future look like? So the future is very bright. Um, We have been talking and planning for uh, several months now trying to figure out how can we reach more women, even as we're trying to grow um, and have more locations. We know there's a lot of women across the state that need support right now. And so last week we were able to launch our virtual clinic, um, which is virtual support for women anywhere in the state of Texas. We're focusing some marketing in Lubbock. We're going to be focusing in West Texas and down in the Valley. Um, so that any woman who is experiencing a, an unplanned pregnancy or not sure what to do, what resources are available in her area, we can be that, that warm voice on the other side of the line, um, helping her to know that everything is okay that she doesn't have to go through this by herself. And then we are creating a network of preferred uh, providers in our, our areas around the state so that we can also say, hey, there's a doctor in your area, there's a clinic in your area that can support you and that also will um, affirm you in your decision to move forward with your pregnancy. Wow. Yeah, taking it to the people. And yes. it's another way we're taking it to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys have probably seen our big pink bus outside, our mobile unit. Um, that was something that we ventured into before the pandemic. Um, we bought an old RV and we renovated it and we were like, we're going to try to get into the community. Um, but sometimes when you make old things pretty, they don't necessarily work the way that you want them to work. <laughs> um, yes. And so we um, got out into the community in 2021 and we started serving women, but we just kept having all these issues in, with maintenance with the mobile unit. And we had this super gracious supporter come to us and say, what would it take just to replace this? To give you guys something that's brand new, state-of-the-art, and built to do what you're trying to do. Um, And that donor stepped up at the end of the year and has provided for us to get a brand new mobile unit this year. Um, And so we have um, just some... 
renderings from the design team. We're working with um, an amazing organization out of North Carolina that this is what they do. They equip ministries like ours to be able to go where the people are, right? Um, the Bible tells us to go. And so we want to go into the communities where women need us because not everyone can get to our clinic. Um, and we want to be able to go, maybe if we can be at the community center that's two blocks from her house, it's a little bit easier for her to come get the gynecological care or the pregnancy care that she needs. Right. How do we help? How can we serve you guys? Well, you all have been absolutely amazing partners over the years. Um, so many people came up to me after the last service, a couple prayed over me, and I know that we have so many prayer warriors in this congregation. So thank you for that, and please continue to pray for us. Um, you all have always been so tremendously and outrageously generous, and that continues to help us further the mission. Um, so we ask you to continue to partner with us there. But we are finally in a stage, after getting past a lot of the surges with all the COVID, that we are re-engaging volunteers. Okay. And we've always had such great volunteer support from Grace. So we're looking for volunteers to work at our Bible studies, um, to lead those, to we, uh, help with our education classes, to walk alongside um, our moms and our dads, because we're trying to do mentoring with our dads as well. Um, and when I talk to our team, the, the people, the women who are in the trenches and working with these women every day, the thing that they say is always the, the thing that kind of tips um, a woman into that space of saying, hey, maybe I can do this, is her having support. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do is come alongside these women and support them, and we need help with that. And what I love so much when we were here in July, uh, Pastor Matt, is that you talked about how, as believers, we can really show and honor our sanctity, uh, how we honor sanctity of human life by creating safe spaces so that when people in our lives come to us and say, hey, this happened and I'm pregnant and now I don't know what to do, that they know that this is a place that they can come for support, the people who will love on them. Um, and we had an amazing example of that. Right before Christmas, we had a young couple in their 20s, I think they were 20 years old, come to us and very determined to terminate. This was not a part of their plan. Um, they were believers, which happens quite a bit. And we were trying to talk through that process with them, but they were determined that this was not what they wanted. But their families came alongside them right. over Christmas. Something happened and their hearts changed. And they came back to us in January, were able to see their baby for the first time and have decided to parent. Ah. Um, so they're going to have their little one. Um, and they're going to engage in our, in our pregnancy and parenting classes. They're going to have mentors through the source as well. So the support that we're able to provide, to provide not only um, to the women who are coming to us um, in trouble, but also, like you said, being in the schools and helping to empower youth to make better choices right. and decisions, walking with women if they're in post-abortion uh, post recovery. Like this is just an amazing thing that God has done and that we get to do with him. Oh, Mary, um, so much to think about. So uh, two ways to apply is one is to go directly to their website and you can see those opportunities to volunteer and to give. Another way to do that is to go to our website under um, our, our giving, there's a drop down for uh, the source and you can give that way through the Realm uh, system that we already have set up. You can go out into the lobby and then we have envelopes for you to take home or to write a check right then and there, write it to the source. But let's do another year of like giving crazy generously to the source. I love, we love, Grace loves the source for all that they do. And I wanna just say it's conditional. It's conditional. If there's a better, if there's a better organization that's doing more for a woman that's in an unplanned pregnancy, then we will join them. But here's what the source does and why we've been so attracted to them. Because they answer the questions, well, what about? And you hear them all the time. Well, what, what about prevention? Well, okay, we've had this thing going on for decades about prevention and about the sanctity and the sacredness of marriage, of, I'm sorry, of sex and how to postpone that. And you don't have to get in this place. And then what if we're involved in that? How do we help? Well, the source does that. What if I'm considering an abortion? We help 
that. What if I had an abortion after the abortion? We have that for men and women dealing with a decision that they made that they regret. So it's, from the, it's the whole spectrum that does this. And now, what about I can't get to you? Well, we're coming to you. You can call us on the phone. We'll bring a bus in your neighborhood. It is, it's a strategic, it's an ambitious, it's an insightful and a creative organization that practices mercy, <laughs> that loves giving mercy. So here's my, I guess, plea to everyone. Write, write a check for an amount that you're embarrassed about and just see what happens. <laughs> just maybe like last year, let's do that. But right now we'll pray. We'll close our time in prayer. We have one more song to sing and uh, there are buses outside and the, the, the team source is all around our campus. There's a table on this side of our lobby and there's some also some people in front of that with the new designs for the new, the new van that's coming soon. But right now let's pray, okay? Thank you. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for Mary and the source and the history that we have uh, with this organization. How creative and ambitious and vision driven they are and I'd ask that you continue to bless them. I know it has been, the last few years has been an onslaught of uh, physical and spiritual and emotional uh, attacks. And I, I'd ask, Lord, that, that you give them grace and mercy and rest, mm -hmm. that you would rejuvenate the leadership and everyone involved in that. Lord, I'd ask that you continue to, to bless the ministry. I know in, in our culture today, this is life and death. This is souls that are eternal. And so, Lord, protect them and allow them to go through open doors that you are opening. Make this, make this, this an exodus experience where we just continue to hear stories about you defeating idols and gods because we can't, but we can walk through. We can, we can walk through walls of water that you've provided for us. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, I'd ask that you would give those uh, stories to us, that you would bless this ministry and keep it strong, safe, safe and and, and out there. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you, Mary, for coming.